Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. Almost forgot my name. Uh, and you're looking at the show notes, too. <laughs> I know. I had to look at it and be like, what's my name? Uh, we can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at gmail.com. And on moviejohn.com. Uh, we're part of the Movie John Podcast Network. Check us out over there. Check Movie John out. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we're talking about Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen, not Karen Allen, which uh, there's like a 50-50% chance that I'll like say one of those two names when I mean the other one. So. I'm pretty sure when you were like, we're going to do Nancy Allen next, I was like, Karen Allen, got it, check. Yep, like, and my I was brain like, just, wait, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I'm very happy that we are talking about Nancy Allen, who, yes. uh, you know, as always, now that we've like delved into her work and stuff i'm like oh yeah you you're, you're the island i should think of when i hear <laughs> when i hear this name. yes for sure um yeah do we want to talk about any movies we've watched lately yeah uh i assume i think you can control this conversation because i think probably anything that i would want to talk about are the stuff that you're like super excited about i mean since we last recorded we've watched a lot of good stuff so yeah. i like i'm almost a little overwhelmed trying to pick what we should talk about because well, we watched some gems Allow me, I guess, to guide you to uh, a couple of things. Uh, I mean, I think Under the Silver Lake Ooh, was yes. a big... I know that you have been thinking about that movie a lot since we watched it. We've yeah. talked about it a few times. Uh, I was telling Garrett about my newfound love of Andrew Garfield, and he had mentioned that this is a movie he had wanted to see for a while, and... Uh, I guess it's an A24 movie, which I didn't realize you told me that, um, that seemed to kind of go under the radar, but it's from the director of It Follows, uh, David Robert Mitchell. Yeah, did I, say I that think right? that's right. Yep. yep. Uh, and I loved this movie. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's so weird. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't even fully know how to like describe or explain uh-uh. the movie besides it's like a film noir, yeah. but it's also a lot of other things. <laughs> I think uh, Phil Nobile Jr., I read his Letterboxd review and he referred to it as like the schizophrenic neo-noir that no one asked for. Yes, that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was excellent. Uh, Garfield's fantastic in it, yes, as well is. as the like crazy cast of characters that uh, are also a part of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the songwriter is like one of the best scenes i've seen in a movie in a very long time yes he's very good um and uh the way garfield walks in every frame was like really entertaining to mm -hmm. me and you we kept like really laughing about how interesting and weird his performance was i mean we watched a lot of good noir stuff uh because in that vein we also recently watched the last seduction and body heat both of which we thought were excellent yes uh you know i it has been now well documented on this podcast that you and i are having a sort of 
love affair with like erotic thrillers. Oh, and, they're just uh, so good. They are great, and they are often neo noirs. That's yep. like usually the best way to describe them. And uh, both and like Body Heat, like very much is. I feel like Body Heat is really playing in that mm-hmm. like noir territory really heavily. Yep. Um, but you know, obviously, The Last Seduction is too. Um, I liked both of those movies a whole lot. Yep. Uh, and they're doing like kind of different things, uh, but uh, but in really really interesting, entertaining ways. Yeah, I mean the lead performances are all really excellent. Yeah. Um, I forget the lead in Last Seduction, what her name is, but she. I'll find it for you. Uh, Linda, I just like always mess up her last Linda name. Linda Fiorentino. Fiorentino, that's, I think that's it. right. She's just fucking excellent in this yeah um yeah i really only know her from uh men in black uh so it was good to see her in another role but it's she's just like so insane in this movie and uh she is my hero yeah. yeah, well, and I, so the other thing that was interesting about this movie for me is I kind of like Peter Berg's movies, um, not all the time, but I'm sort of a fan of his, and I knew he was an actor, but I rarely see him in things, and I've never seen him in, like, a lead performance before, mm, yeah. and he's really good in this movie, I think, um, and, you know, then you also get Bill Pullman doing, like, a really fucking, like, live wire, yeah. off-the-cuff Bill Pullman performance that is it's real wild. fun. Yeah, this just had, yeah, just great performances and a really fun kind of plot that just sort of, yeah you know, compounds upon itself constantly, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, we also rewatched uh, Death Proof. I had not seen it since high school uh, and I was like sick when I watched it. So it's like kind of kind of what lived as a fever dream to me, but it was a movie I wanted to rewatch. And uh, I also fucking loved that movie and i think uh maybe unpopular opinion but i think it's top tier uh tarantino for me yeah yeah i i really like that movie yeah. and every time i revisit it i think it's better than the last time i yeah. saw it um I, I actually one of the things that has really grown on me about that movie is the sort of i guess the first big car accident mm. scene. i guess it's the second big car accident scene um where it's like the car full of girls uh when you see Jungle Julia's leg hanging out of the car, Ugh. when you know what's coming, like the first time you see it, you don't know necessarily like what's yeah. coming with that scene. And so it's sort of, you know, you get like whiplash from that scene. But when you know what's coming, the second you see her leg hanging out the window, it's like terrifying. I don't know. It just like it gives you this like this feeling in the pit yeah. of your stomach. And then Tarantino just keeps cutting to it, you know, it's like, and so it just keeps building this tension more and more and more because we keep seeing this foot. It, yeah, it, it's really, really fucking yeah. great stuff. Horrifying. Yeah. But uh, yeah. One of the most fulfilling Fantastic. endings. Yeah. Love that ending yeah. so much. Yeah. Like, is women like just totally reveling in their revenge in a way that I feel like we don't get enough in like revenge thrillers that are led by women like that? Like rape revenge and stuff too it's usually like oh they're like a shell of the person they were now and these women are like fucking laughing and joking around and having the best time as they beat the shit out of this dude it's amazing usually vengeance requires that something be taken from them yeah and they're like not a person anymore yeah yeah. there's like no coming back right and so i like this idea of being like fuck this guy he's a piece of shit and we're gonna like enjoy the fuck out of this yeah yeah. it's yeah it's really good I like the structure of that movie too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, Targets was really good. That Targets Peter Bogdanovich movie we watched. Yep. Um, that stars him and um, Boris Karloff, who's essentially yes. playing himself and is so wonderful in it. It's really worth yeah. seeing just for Karloff's performance, but it's also a really interesting movie about like 
an aging horror movie actor whose version of horror is one thing and feels like the reason he's coming to the end of his career is because the actual horror of the real world is becoming worse than what he was putting on the screen. Yeah. And so how can he compete with like what's happening? And the movie has a really interesting way of sort of doing both of those things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I really liked Targets. I thought I it was too. great. Um, I assume maybe you also wanted to talk about... Um, I don't know. Did you want to talk about Scream? Since I mean, we, we saw, saw the new Scream. Yeah, we saw the new Scream. Uh, which we were both really looking forward to, and uh, I was not disappointed. I thought it was excellent. I'm a big fan of this movie. I cannot wait to watch it again. Yeah, I've really dug this movie. I feel yeah. like Scream is basically five for five as a franchise. It's one of the most consistent franchises yeah. ever. Um, this was maybe lower tier Scream for me, but I say that as a real snob. Mm. Uh, I did like this movie. I thought it was a great one. Yeah, I think I, it's uh, I lot, higher for me. I got lots of little gripes, and I do kind of enjoy that the movie is basically making fun of me for having gripes. If mm, that makes sense, true. you know what I mean. Um, so I, I sort I can appreciate all of that. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I I was a big fan. I thought the performances are really good. I really enjoyed like a lot of the new characters they brought in. I thought there were good good teens which i'm always into like good fun teens i do like good teens i thought there were a couple good teens yeah uh so i really enjoyed that uh and yeah i think uh i think what it is commenting on in our current day and age is uh, that was the best part of it for me absolutely and i thought made some very funny clever references in that regard yeah i like that this franchise even though it's one that i'm sure people are like why is this coming back like i am glad that they found a new level of fandom to talk about and uh and how horror has changed now too. Sure, yeah, uh, there I are lots like of a lot references of references to elevated horror. Yes. Um, yeah, really, I did enjoy it, and so I, yeah. I. And actually, I think it did pretty well at the box office. So good for Scream, good for it horror. You yeah. Know. Um, that's good. The only maybe one other thing we should talk about is uh, we watched First Blood, which I had only seen for the first time uh, maybe like a year or two ago. And uh, you got to watch with me, and I I know you enjoyed. I think uh, you know we we have this growing fascination with the man uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, uh, I feel like I know of Rambo as like what Rambo becomes after this movie. Yes. Um, that is what like lives in my head, uh, just from like the references I know of Rambo. Uh, so this was a very different movie than I expected in, in like the best ways. And like, not that I don't like those like cheesy action thrillers because they're fun. Um, but the fact that like, this is a movie that has really great and important and timely social material along with it, like it is about how we don't take care of our veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is about the like strain that they are under. And even when they come back, they are not given the respect that they necessarily deserve. Uh, it is about how we treat the homeless terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just because they don't have a home, we treat them like they are criminals. Uh, and it is about how all cops are bastards. Yes. And I think all of that is really important to reflect on. Yeah, it's a really interesting movie that intertwines like a lot of social stuff that has sort of risen back to the yeah. surface in America recently. It's impressive. And so the movie definitely feels, um, you know, it is a, actually a timely movie to watch now. Yeah. Um, and he is fucking tremendous in it. He gives that last like scene yeah that monologue he gives at the end uh, it is heartbreaking yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. uh it yeah i like 
was shocked that I was getting teared up at this movie at the end of it because yeah. um, it's also like the most he talks in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's it, another like fairly silent uh, yeah. character of his. Yeah, really, uh, really just like heartbreaking and and really lovely yeah. uh, performance there. Yeah, uh, I grabbed it on 4K because it was like really cheap. It looked wonderful. We, you know, I, I yeah, thought it was a really good really looking good. movie. Um, yeah, so you know, First Blood is a, a great movie. Um, yes. If if because Sylvester Stallone has actively um, you know, changed the perception of that character. If for some, if you think you, if you think you won't like Rambo, I do recommend watching First Blood and seeing what you think of that movie. I it, agree. It, it's a a different movie than you expect, I think. Yeah, and, and really fucking good. Uh, I think that about covers it, right? Did we hit all the big ones? Yeah, I think we hit a lot of the big things that we watched. All right. uh, but yeah, let us dive into Nancy Allen's career. Excited talk about Nancy. Uh, so yes, Nancy Allen was born June 24th, 1950 in New York City. Uh, she was raised in the Bronx. Uh, on IMDb, it says one of her nicknames is the Scream Queen, which I think is really interesting because uh, although I think she is like a genre actress, I don't necessarily think of her in that respect, except yeah. for uh, maybe one or two of her De Palma performances. You, you, I wonder if like she somehow got that name like outside of movie. They're like, oh, yeah. this is like her high school nickname. Or if it's because of like that one yes. movie, which yes. we will talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I, I assume so. Uh, she is the youngest of three kids. Her father was a cop, which is kind of interesting to talk about also mm. with some of her later performances. True, yeah. Um, she initially was training for a career in dance. She went to a high school of performing arts um, and then eventually did a lot of TV commercials in her teenage years. Gotcha. So that probably got a, like an agent and stuff, which puts her into the system for yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting note here too that I found that uh, in one of the interviews mentions that it feels like after her divorce from De Palma, a lot of film opportunities were like narrowed for her, um, oh. and then mm. she eventually gets to do uh, a big role after that with Verhoeven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. That's so unfortunate. Uh, just the end of her relationship with like a, I guess like a, you could say like a powerful yeah. director would affect the rest of her career like that. Uh, but she, when she was uh, in like the full swing of acting, was interested in projecting the image of a strong woman, uh, but at the same time feminine. Um, and she managed to kind of get away from the victim roles she was usually offered um, and was also trying to get away from like the stereotypes of like, you know, dumb blonde women in like action films. Yeah. And so I think as we talk about some of her roles, she does a really good job of uh I think, like, pushing some of the boundaries of, like, uh, leading, like, female performances and in, in some stuff, for sure. I was, like, rewatching some of her scenes today from some stuff, and that yeah. is definitely true. Yeah. Um, so her first film uh, was in 1973. She was in The Last Detail, directed by uh, Hal Ashby, uh, who directed Harold and Maude, which is a movie I really love. Uh, and it starred uh, Jack Nicholson and Carol Kane. I've always wanted to see this movie. This is supposed to be excellent. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like there was, we keep talking about Jack Nicholson because he did a lot of kind of interesting genre stuff early in his career. He's like a huge part of that, like, new Hollywood movement of, like, the yeah. 60s into the 70s. It's really interesting. Yeah. 
1976, she was in a movie, The Last Victim, starring Tanya Roberts uh, from that 70s show. Oh. Uh, she was, uh, what's her name's mom? Donna. Mm-hmm, Donna's mm-hmm. mom. Yep. Um, and The Last Victim's about a uh, serial rapist who stalks and murders uh, sex workers. Mm. Uh, I was def- definitely like, a, ooh, I want to watch this movie, yeah. but it was uh, did not seem to be available anywhere. Yeah, some of actually some of Nancy's movies were difficult to find. Yeah. Um, and then she was in Carrie, yeah. uh, which was you know one of her first big roles and her first time working with uh, Brian De Palma, um, who she was later married to. Yep. Um, this was actually a role that she did. Uh, it says she was the last person to audition for the film uh, because she was on the verge of leaving Hollywood. Oh, wow. uh, she had been in L.A. for several months and didn't get any work, so she thought, this is a waste. I'm going back to New York after the holidays because it's just taking too long to get my acting career going and then bumped into a woman uh in a steam room who was the <laughs> casting director uh for carrie uh and told her like to audition for the role which is yeah. really funny that's incredible because she i mean she plays like basically the villain role of this movie yes uh chris i think is her character's yep. name um and uh so yeah that's interesting that she was like kind of like about to walk out of hollywood and yep scores this like Really, it's like a big, interesting role, actually, where, you know, she's mm-hmm. she's very mean to this girl, Carrie White, but they she does give a pretty layered performance as this character. Like, she's yeah. she is the mean girl, quote unquote. Um, but I do think that there's like there's some interesting stuff going on in her performance and her character. Yes. Um, and it's also interesting because she is co-starring with. um uh, oh, why can't I think of his name? John Travolta. Yes, um, who she who, works with later on. Exactly. De Palma basically puts them back together on screen mm-hmm. uh, in in even meatier, larger roles uh, in a later movie of his, which we'll talk about. Yeah, and it said that she like really liked working with Travolta, and they had like pretty instant chemistry, which is really they cool. Definitely have a chemistry. Yeah. I literally watched clips of them in both this and Blowout, like back to back today, and I was like. Oh, they just like on screen together, like they really respond yeah. to each other well. It's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've watched Carrie. I, this is one that I would like to rewatch at some point because I also want to see like uh, Brian Fuller did like a made for TV Carrie, right. which I would also like to watch. So like to it would that. be fun. I also never saw the newer version of it. I never saw the sequel. I never saw yeah. the right. The Oh, and we like um, what's her name is in the remake. Um, uh, Chloe. Yeah, Grace Moritz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I feel like that may, might be an interesting franchise to yeah. like uh, check out. I, I love this movie. This is still one of my favorite De Palma movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think this movie is like so wonderfully directed and realized. Yeah. And I finally read the book like a couple of years ago. And um, it really is like such a great adaptation mm-hmm. of that book. Um, this movie's great. I, I assume most people have probably seen Carrie. But yeah. Better listening. Um, yeah. So one of the things she said that she didn't realize her character was going to be so evil until she saw the finished <laughs> film. She thought she and Travolta were playing self-centered, bickering morons that were there for comic relief. And it turns <laughs> out, no, you're like actually like the the meanest person in this movie. That is funny because I was telling you that the one of the scenes I rewatched is one of my favorite scenes in the movie where she and Travolta are like driving around yes. and kind of like. Having this little like argument, and by by the way, little argument. He like slaps her like twice during this mm. argument, but it's because she keeps calling him. I think a fucking idiot. I think is what she keeps saying. Oh, that's funny. And he keeps telling her to stop, and she just keeps because she calls him it like four times. It's really funny. Um, but it ends with her basically giving him a blowjob to try and convince him to like come play this like really mean prank yeah. on Carrie White. 
but she be, as she's blowing him, which by the way, this makes no sense. She's like talking to him while blowing him. I don't know. It's like a magic trick that she pulls off in this movie. But she says like, we're going to do this thing to Carrie White. And he, it's so funny. She goes, we're going to do this thing to Carrie White. And he goes, who? It's so funny. Um, Yeah, I guess she got slapped by other characters in Carrie also. Because I have a note that said Brian De Palma wanted uh, Betty Buckley to really slap Nancy Allen. Because Allen couldn't get the reaction De Palma wanted. Buckley ended up slapping her as many as 30 times oh, Jesus to Christ. get that shot. Yeah, there's the great scene where Betty Buckley plays the uh, the gym teacher yeah. that d- catches them doing what they do mm-hmm. carry in the beginning of the movie in the showers and and punishes all of yeah. them. And she has this great fucking scene where she kind of like monologues at them about like what a terrible thing they did to this yeah. girl. Um, and yeah, she basically like um, Nancy is so good in that scene where she is sort of having an overly cocky kind of like, go ahead, say your piece, fucking teacher lady. Like there's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm untouchable kind of and and gets Betty Buckley to worked up enough to gets Betty Buckley like worked up enough to to strike her you know mm. it's 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 good but that is that's unfortunate that she had to do it 30 times yeah which also is like hmm interesting move Brian De Palma who the she after it yeah, sounds like married. it's after they filmed Carrie they started dating um and they were together until they got divorced in 1984 so they were only together for a couple years actually okay gotcha yeah um, in 1978, she was in a movie called I Want to Hold Your Hand. I've seen this, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because is this a... Who's the director on this? Uh, this is um, Robert Zemeckis' yes. first movie, I believe. Uh, and it's about, like, the Beatles fandom, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Uh, it says that... I In one of the interviews, I think it uh, said that this was, like, a role she really enjoyed doing. I So this was one that I did not get to rewatch any clips from. I saw this in college, like, you know, 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember her in it specifically. But um, it, this is, like... Like actually a really great, interesting movie. Uh, and then in 1979, she works with De Palma again in Home Movies, uh, about which is about a cult guru played by Kirk Douglas who mm. urges a shy disi- dis- disciple, disciple. Uh, Keith Gordon to make life uh, a movie and be its star. So Whoa. it's this kid like filming his family members. That's very interesting. Um, which also uh, Nancy Allen later works with Keith Gordon in another movie too. So it is interesting how often these uh, De Palma folks are together. Yeah, he's got his own little sort of troop, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I have not seen home movies. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, and then in 1941, uh, she, or sorry, in the same year, she's in 1941, yes. uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, which I like had not actually heard of this movie before, which this was interesting. One of Spielberg's kind of, you know, only yeah. misses, I guess. And I've never seen this one, but yeah. it, it is like one of the lesser regarded Spielberg movies, basically. Yeah, because it's like, it sounds like it's like kind of a comedy I think about it's supposed people to... getting ready for the Japanese invasion after Pearl Harbor. I, my understanding, I think, is it's like kind of a screwball comedy. Yeah, it seems I weird. Think. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then in 1980, she was in Dress to Kill. Uh, and this is another De Palma movie, mm-hmm. uh, which he actually wrote this part for Nancy Allen, which it is kind of interesting. It is interesting considering like what the part is. Yes. And also that, uh, I don't know if you remember this, when I was watching clips from today, I did not remember this. She has to do this like very film noir-y kind of mall mm-hmm. uh, accent. She's... She's talking like this in this movie. Yeah. I like totally forgot that it was like a sort of heightened like 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 40s noir 
character you know what i mean yeah. I, I was like wow so to know that he wrote it for her is like even stranger actually yeah and she's also uh her character is like a sex, a worker, sex worker yeah uh which because and she teams up with keith gordon's character to like try and hunt down this like killer that yeah. is on the loose i'm thinking of blowout that she does that crazy accent by the yeah, way yeah i thought so but and i was like maybe she, she did it in dress to kill too no she didn't D- dress to kill is more like a, a yeah. just sort of straightforward nancy performance but yeah she yeah. is a, a sex worker and yeah, I, I, as soon as you said Keith Gordon, I was like, oh, wait, right, Dressed to Kill. Yeah, uh, and I thought they were really good in this movie they together. They are good in this movie Which together. is funny because uh, apparently for the movie, a lot of critics wondered why uh, the woman uh, Dickinson, uh, who plays the older woman that uh, is murdered that we follow for a really long time, right. uh, they wondered why she didn't get an Oscar nod, whereas Nancy Allen won a Razzie nomination for Worst Performance in Dress to Kill, which that, seems crazy to me. That is legitimately crazy. I I think she is very good in this, yeah. uh, and I think she and Gordon are really good together, because uh, he's another like weird presence that I really like. And yeah. The Razzies have a, a basically a horrible history of yeah. like... There are things they don't like, and one of them is just certain kinds of women generally. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they will just, there There are some women they nominate year after year after year after year. Yeah. Just because they don't like those women. Yeah, it seems Not, you know, it's like, like the worst. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. yeah, the Razzies suck. Yeah. So I saw someone else bitching about the Razzies recently, too, and I'm like, oh, I like that this is a thing we're doing. Yeah. Like, let's, let's fuck with these assholes. They're stupid. That's like a bullshit organization, and yeah. it sucks. Um. But yeah, this is, uh, I wrote about this movie a while ago for, we did like a De Palma week uh, on Cinema 76. And so I actually wrote about Dress to Kill, which like, I don't think I actually wrote anything like that, like special. I just talked about it uh, being like a cross between like a Hitchcock and a Giallo, which like, I feel like so many people have. Brian De Palma. Yeah, that's just his thing. And a lot of people have written about it. But uh, this is a movie I really like because I remember like my dad let me borrow it when I was in Mm. like middle school or something. Weird. Um, He just like had all these movies that he would be like, oh, you can like borrow this and like watch it uh, if you're interested. Like uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels Mm -hmm. was another one. Um, But yeah, this was uh, this was like a cool movie to actually bond over because I like was like, oh, I actually really like these like thrillers and murder mysteries. Yeah. Eventually that also was like, oh, I like horror movies. That's what's happening. Yeah. And Dress to Kill is a good one of those. You know what I mean? It does have like a good, interesting very strange mystery at its yeah. heart and stuff. Agreed. Um, yeah, well, and then, so the next movie she does is Blowout with De Palma. Yep, in 81. Uh, which I wrote about for Cinema 76 yep. when we did De Palma Week. Um, and this is a movie that I feel like I don't like as much as people think that I should like it, uh, but I do like it. Um, <laughs> Same for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I think this is a no... I, we've watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I like just didn't like it at all. Yeah. And I think part of it was that I thought Nancy Allen was like giving an insane performance. It's and crazy. I also just like didn't really like what happens to her character. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, but... And then watching it again, I was like, oh no, I like, I see why people like this movie. I can like see that it's got really great performances good filmmaking it is about like you know making movies which is really fun De Palma has like a fake slasher that you see at the beginning of this movie which is really great too so there is like a lot of stuff to like but it just like yeah like isn't a favorite of mine yeah it's not like my favorite De Palma either but I do like it I mean it people always compare it to the conversation which is one of my favorite movies and that is an apt yeah. comparison in a lot of ways. I like the conspiracy aspects mm-hmm. of this. 
Um, and I think that uh, Nancy and Travolta are terrific in it together. Yeah, you know, I agree. Um, they're so good, and and she does meet a very tragic end in this movie, but it's in a very like beautiful, incredible sequence. It's mm-hmm. like a very fulfilling sequence in the movie, yeah. and and I think um, is only as weighty and powerful as it is because mm-hmm. she is so good in the role. Yeah, and again, she's doing she is doing this heightened, crazy like. Again, like 1940s noir, like, ah, mm. oh, gee, you know, like kind of thing. And she still makes me like care about that that person, you know? Yeah. It's like, it is pretty remarkable, like what she's capable of. Because you and I were talking earlier about how she's like, she has these big, wide eyes mm-hmm. and this like very open face and this wonderful smile and big cheeks and like, she is this like ray of sunshine, mm. uh, like very naturally so. But then the thing that she gets to do through her work with De Palma that I think then becomes the thing that is so interesting later in her career, too, is she like she can play very commanding mm-hmm. within that sunshiny uh, uh, persona. And yep. when she plays commanding, it is like she's like turning on a switch that I think is so powerful to watch. It's like very captivating on screen. She's so good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I feel like rewatching it I was at least like oh okay no I do like her and her performance so I think for that way I was happy that I like revisited it yeah. even though I didn't really like it very much because I'm like oh like I'm pulling stuff out of it that I do actually really like and appreciate because she also kind of plays a sex worker in this yeah. movie and so it's like it's that weird thing of like he keeps casting his own wife as like a sex worker yeah. in movies but she brings so much dimension to these characters yeah. it's it's really interesting yeah she's she's really great um, and this is also a good example of just like a really good like filming of Philadelphia. Oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which I feel like uh, a lot of times like what did we watch where it it was like suppo- supposed to be f- in Philadelphia, but it was very clearly filmed somewhere else. We're like, there is nothing Philadelphia about this movie. I can't remember, but yes. Uh, but so it was like, oh, it was Shazam, I think. I think, yeah, yeah, and that movie, I think, shot a little bit around Philly, but you can yeah. tell a lot of it is, like, you know, playing other cities for Philly. Yeah, and so, like, this, like, you know, you're at 30th Street Station, yeah. uh, you see, like, the, um, like, it's not the Parkway, uh, but, like, along the water, the waterfront. The waterfront uh, yeah. yeah, there's, like, just some good, like, iconic, like, Philly in the early oh, yeah. 80s that I really love. Um, yeah, and, it's a great Philly movie. yeah. Uh, in 1983, she's in a movie called Strange Invaders uh, with Louise Fletcher, who uh, plays Nurse Ratchet in oh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. Nest, and uh, Wallace Shawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so alien beings who've settled uh, in a small mid- Midwestern town are disturbed by a young professor determined to rescue his son from their clutches. I mean, I would watch it. Yeah, seems so, weird. Yeah, sounds I weird. I think it's available. This is yeah, yeah, one this of the is, few. It might be on TV. It's streaming somewhere, yeah. Um, in 1984, she's in a movie called The Buddy System, starring Richard Dreyfuss and Susan Sarandon. Hey, I like those two actors. Yes. I would watch that movie just based on that. I love Dreyfuss. Um, and then she's in The Philadelphia Experiment, which we watched, which I don't know if you realized this when we watched it, that John Carpenter is an executive producer on this movie. I think I remember when Blank Check was doing their Carpenter okay. series, they talked a little bit about this, that I think this was maybe, this might have been one of those things where he wrote a treatment mm. that got bought and then mostly got like rewritten and like it's barely his anymore, but because he wrote something, there is some sort of history with him in this movie, yeah. 
Yeah, like he has the credit for it, which is funny. But I also thought that was funny because it actually reminds me of a worse version of Starman, which stars Karen Allen. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Yes. I was just thinking about that. That's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, this. So the Philadelphia Experiment is about a a quote unquote real thing. You could you could say it's based on on real events. It's it's a sort of conspiracy story about um, the military trying to make a, a ship invisible to radar that accidentally actually makes the ship invisible. Yeah. And and then the conspiracy is that what actually happened was the ship traveled through time. And so the movie takes that as fact, that conspiracy as fact, that the ship just traveled through time and ends up being about Michael Paré traveling from what, like the 1940s to, to the, the 1980s? 80s. Yeah. And like Ugh. falling in love with a woman that he meets there, uh, Nancy Allen, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those movies, it, like Time After Time, it's one of those movies where you go like, wait, this movie is about these people just like falling in love while they're crazy time mm-hmm. traveling, doing weird stuff? Like, why is this not more of a science fiction movie? Why uh, is it a romance? But it's so boring. This was pretty boring. It's like, they're, like none of it's interesting. No. It should be really interesting because this is yeah. actually one of the more interesting, weird conspiracy stories that I've ever read. I do think this is an interesting conspiracy theory that yeah. would make for an interesting movie. It did not in this case. It, it was it was pretty bad. Yes. Uh, it's funny, though, because one of the uh, interviews I found with her said that she really liked working on this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, she said it was a fun time. She said the director uh, refers to himself as the biggest director in the business, but that's because he is 6'8". Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, that's a really funny, goofy joke. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Stuart Raff- Ratliff, I guess. Was yeah. The, or Stuart Raffle. Is that what that says? Raffle. Was the director yeah i wish i liked this more i was like really looking forward to watching this actually yeah and then was just mostly like bored by it so bored michael Paré, and I, I we don't like to like insult actors here really but it, i find is like a very bland screen presence generally well, like he sometimes i'm like oh he's like kind of cute and maybe has a presence but i just don't think he's a very good actor so then like as soon as he opens his mouth to talk i'm like oh no this is like so dull <laughs> yeah, i think he's kind of a he doesn't bland. have like I don't know, like on screen, like charisma. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like um, he's in Carpenter's uh, version of Village of the Damned. Mm. And I think he's actually, it's like one of the only times I've seen him like used well in a movie mm-hmm. where it's one of those things where you go like, I don't know that he's any better in this movie than he is in any other movie. I think that maybe Carpenter just knows how to wield that appropriately in yeah. a movie, you know? Uh. So then after the Philadelphia Experiment, she's in the movie Not for Publication, which was uh, written and directed by Paul Bartell, who we is swear we're going to be covering on this. A future killer B, basically. Yeah, we're going to be covering I, I, for sure. If he is not in this season, we're probably pretty definitely going to cover him next yeah, season. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so we wanted to watch this because it was written and directed by a yeah. guy that we're interested in. But I almost think like maybe we'll save it for that episode. Um, yeah. Watch the movie he directed. Yeah. Because uh, it sounds interesting. Yeah, was this one that uh, we had trouble finding? I can't remember. I actually think this one's pretty available. I think okay, if people cool. want to watch, not for publication, it's somewhere. It's like on Tubi or something right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, about a tabloid reporter and her new photographer who've recently started working for the mayor of New York City, and they stumble upon evidence of conspiracy and political corruption that may uh, involve their beloved mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this sounds pretty interesting and, uh, you know, I think when we cover by tail, it'll be interesting to, to yeah. you know, talk about the movie he made. Uh, in 1986, she's in a TV movie called The Gladiator, which is about a 
road warrior vigilante who avenges his brother's death at the hands of a crazy crazy motorist by using his pickup to apprehend drunk drivers and others who abuse their driving privileges. What? Sounds real goofy, and I kind of want to watch it. I was going to say, I kind of want to see that right now. Yep. Well, yeah, there's got to be like a YouTube channel that is just like TV movies. We got to find it. Uh, in 1987, uh, she is in Sweet Revenge with Martin Landau. I assume you want to see that just based on the title. Yeah. And then uh, in uh, the same year, she does RoboCop, uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, uh, one of which, our baby faves. Yeah, we love this movie. It's really good. She's great in it. Um, Nancy Allen, I have a note here that she first arrived on set when Verhoeven was shooting the deliberately cheesy sitcom, It's Not My Problem, which appears <laughs> at the television screens throughout the film. Ellen was initially horrified to think that she had signed on to make a film with an incompetent director. That's so funny. So funny. That's incredible. I love that he was so good at doing the like parody thing that he was making yeah. that she was like, oh, no. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, which, like, he's very good at that. So it's just, like, hilarious how that shook out. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting role for her because she, you know, we talked about how she has this kind of, like, uh, big, like, jovial kind of, like, energy when she's on screen. Very inviting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, very feminine. Uh, But I think one of the notes I found, and I guess maybe I, like, missed it here um was that like Verhoeven specifically didn't want her to be like sexualized in this movie Mm -hmm. so she is like very androgynous looking uh she's got like really short hair Mm -hmm. like her outfit is like she's like always pretty like pretty much dressed the same as like the other guys at the station which like never seems like something you really see in these kinds of movies Mm -hmm. um and so they do a really good job of just like making her his partner and not just like, oh, he's partnered with a woman, you know? Right. It's like, it's just like she's just like one of the other people. She in the is his competent equal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is like very, yeah, because I think it also like, we would expect that like, oh, maybe there'd be some sort of love interest here or something. But like, no, they really are just, they are partners and they care about each other, but they're just partners, uh, which is, I think, just like an interesting layer to the movie. And it's interesting that in both of the Verhoeven movies that are, or I should say two of the Verhoeven movies that are like future looking movies, mm-hmm. Robocop and um, Starship Troopers, um, they they both basically, without having to like beat you two over the head with it, give you futures in which women are truly equal to men. Yeah. Um, you know, they're both satires about the future and about how horrible things have gotten, but they do both imagine futures in which like m- women have just like seemed mm-hmm. to have achieved equality with men. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's like an interesting thing that he seems to be trying to just like put into the world yeah. through his movies, you know? Yeah. And she is really great in this. Oh, yeah. uh, she brings a lot to her character. And, you know, I think especially when you're like, oh, it's like the person that's partnered with the RoboCop. It's like, oh, that seems like it's just some sort of filler role or something. Right. But like there is there is like a, a good like on-screen chemistry with her and Weller too, I think. And I think part of the reason you care about what happens to RoboCop is because of the way Nancy yeah. is able to convey her relationship with mm-hmm. RoboCop. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, that 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 is as successful as it is on screen because of her, her performance. And yep. The, the humanity that she is granting that that character basically yes. in her performance with yeah. him. Yeah, because I think like they're friends beforehand. Yes. Yeah, they're like good friends before he like dies. And she knows becomes, the yeah. man before the man is a is a yeah. is a RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Murphy, right? That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is cool. Um, yeah, and, she's terrific in that movie. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, yeah, and it's like cool to see uh, the ver- the variety of characters she plays. Like after she starts working with De Palma, too. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this is where it's like she's able to take that sort of authoritative thing and really put it front and center on screen. Yeah. Um, and and utilize it to you know be, be play a, a get like a competent equal co-star to mm-hmm. the big action star. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, and then after this, she does Poltergeist 3, which yes. uh, we watched Poltergeist 2 so that we, we could watch yes. Poltergeist 3. In order to watch Poltergeist 3. Uh, which watching those two movies back to back is really funny. Because uh, both of them aren't like terrible. No. Like neither of them are terrible. But I like... And they add some interesting stuff to the overall like yes. mythology yes. of Poltergeist and like the story. And particularly have good effects sequences yeah. and things like that. But they're just very weird in different ways. They're uh, strange movies. Uh, yeah. You know, like, co- but basically the whole cast comes back for the first sequel mm-hmm. for two. But like, I always just call him Coach. I don't know. What is that actor's name? I, I can never not refer to him as Coach. Oh, yeah. I, I know what you mean. I also can't think of his real name. I'll, I'll find it while I'm talking about it. But, like, his performance is so weird in the sequel where it feels like he's doing a certain kind of comedy performance that even though the first movie is, like, comedic, the second movie is, like, not really living up to. Yeah. And it feels like it's, like, in conflict with it. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. Uh, and then and then none of them come back for the third one. The third one's, like, an all-new cast. Well, so, well except for the main girl. Well, it's funny because, so, the first two movies are all about, like, the power of, like, family and love and it being, like, this family needs to stay together in order for them to survive like all of this crazy paranormal shit that's happening to them. But then in, and the second one doubles down on that really doubles down on it. And that's like the best thing about it actually. But it's also funny because there is an older sister who is never referenced in the second movie. She is not a part of it at all. <laughs> so even though it's very much like about family, they also just like have totally written out this sister character. That's so funny. And then the third one is that like this inseparable family, for some reason dropped Carol Ann off with an aunt to live for an extended period of time. And you're just like, in what universe would the family we saw in the first two movies ever leave Carol Ann alone? Ever. Because specifically Carol Ann, who they specifically by the end of the second movie know that whatever experience happened, Carol Ann is now basically a beacon for yes. these like demonic poltergeist haunting things. Yes. Like they know about her and as far as the family knows, they could come for her again at any time. Yep. It becomes like an actual sort of vengeance story between this ghost and this yeah. little girl. And then the third movie is like, yeah, we just dropped her off with her aunt and her uncle for a whole summer. Which is also really interesting because uh Craig the- T. Nelson, by the way, sorry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. Got it. So Nancy Allen plays the aunt, yes. who is the like sister of Craig T. Nelson's character or his wife's his character. His wife. Yeah. Okay. So like, it's also established that she's part of this like you know family this of lineage like of women. matriarchs yeah. who also have these supernatural abilities. Yes. They don't really delve into her having any sort of supernatural abilities. Right. But then also Tom Skerritt, who's not actually related to Carol Ann. That's right seems to have much more of a relationship with her with than the aunt does. Yeah. Cause by the middle of the movie, the aunt is like, we should just like 
give this kid back. Like, yes. fuck this, whatever's happening. And I'm like, what? Like, you're this girl's biological aunt, <laughs> and you're just like, fuck this. Like, let's leave her. And Tom Skerritt's the one that's like, no. Like, yeah. why? He's we, like, can't we, we can't do, do that. that. That's yeah. a terrible idea. Yeah. It's just really interesting how all of that stuff helps. But then I think in the end, like, Nancy Allen's character is kind of redeemed and is the yeah, one yeah. that saves Car- Carol Ann and uh, helps, like, bring the rest of the family back together. But it's just a very interesting, like, choice. Yeah. <laughs> And I think Nancy is good in this movie. I she actually is. feel like this movie doesn't really give anybody anything that interesting to do. Yeah, not really. Uh, like the the first sequel is definitely better than this one. This one, the cover promises like Poltergeist in a high rise, yeah, and then never really takes advantage of that as a movie. Well, because like the other thing is that not only is like the family supposed to be really tight knit in the first two movies, yeah. one of the things I love about the first movie, and they do a pretty good job with it in the second one too, is that the mother and father are like very much in love, like have this good relationship where they joke around, a strong bond together. Yeah, they smoke weed. They yeah. still like want to be with each other they flirt like it's all this like really good like positive stuff to see in like a in this nuclear family um and i think they also try to do that a little bit with like nancy allen and tom scarra's character in this where they're like yeah they're really close but it's just like uh, maybe they just like don't have the same chemistry i I don't think they quite have the chemistry Um, it just doesn't really work uh so it's it's funny how yeah just like how a lot of what they try to establish is like you like change so much stuff up that it just like doesn't actually work for this. Yeah, we we spent a lot of the movie commenting on like they are really stretching yeah. it to get me to go here. I mean, I liked the haunted like uh, skyscraper aspect of it. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Like all these different floors and just like there's that like uh, the glass that cracks and the crack mm. just yeah. comes down throughout the building. That's a cool idea. Yeah, there's like and they have the the building is getting like frozen over like the boiler room is completely frozen like there's like some really cool imagery that they have in this movie that i liked a lot and some like cool like creepy stuff i guess i wasn't giving enough credit because i I felt like it didn't like totally really deliver on the whole like poltergeist in a high-rise thing but i guess it's got there's probably more they could have done but there's like a lot of shit with the mirrors that they do which is like kind of cool that is cool yeah um, yeah, it's yeah. The the special effects are like the best things about both of the sequels. But yeah. but even the second one, like it's called the other side. I had kind of been excited to watch it because I feel like horror fans are always like, it's actually kind of a good sequel. I mean, you get to see the other side. They go to the other side, and then you watch it, and it's like, yeah, they do. Yeah, I don't know if it was that gratifying of of uh, the other side. You know, I think I liked more about the second one than the third one. For sure, probably. me too. Me too. I do think it's some a of the story the elements are really yeah. good. Like yeah. even just the fact that like it's like they're dealing with like you know uh, a Native American burial ground, yeah. but like we don't actually have any Native American characters, and then we do get like a Native American character as one of the leads in this. Yeah, it's, it's um the actor from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny that ke- keeps getting brought up today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in 1989, she is in a movie called Limit Up with Dean Stockwell okay. about a young, uh, ambitious woman who is having difficulties becoming a traitor because it's such a male-dominated profession and strikes a deal with Satan to uh, try to get like a, a better job and oh, okay. succeed in this industry. That sounds kind of good. Uh, then we get to her roles in the 90s. Uh, so she did a couple TV shows. Uh, she was in Outer Limits and Touched by an Angel. Okay. Which is very funny. Um, 
and then she does RoboCop 2, uh, directed by Irvin Kirshner, uh, with Weller returning. Yes. Um, we talked about this movie a few times at this point, I think, right? Yes, because we've talked about Peter Weller and... Uh, why am I... Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan. Yep, because yes. Tom Noonan is the villain, the villain. in this yes, movie. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, apparently Alan was looking forward to doing the original script for the sequel, which was under Tim Hunter's direction. Okay. And then eventually Hunter was replaced by Kirshner, who completely changed the script, according to Alan. And she, she says, like, took out a lot of the intelligence and humor of the uh, original script. That's interesting, because yes. I think you and I do agree that while we liked this sequel, yeah. it's, a, it's a decent enough sequel, and it is kind of following up on a lot of interesting yeah. ideas and threads from the first movie. It lacks the biting yeah. satire. It's it's not as successful at the biting satire as yeah. Verhoeven's movie. Yeah, I mean Verhoeven's just really good at that. Yeah. I think a lot of his movies like are so good at being satire that people don't realize that they're satire. Right. Yes. Uh, and that's a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. So like, I it's it, it was I think maybe too much to expect that from a second movie, probably. Yeah. yeah. But I am interested in what. Me too. Could have been for the sequel to RoboCop. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, Alan is such a just smart woman and performer. For yeah. her to comment that that script was so good and funny and interesting, like, it really makes me curious. Like, it must yeah. have been pre- there must have been something there in that script, you know? I assume so. Um, I also like read that she tried to get more into her character by uh, training in martial arts and also like doing like police yeah. training for this, That's which cool. I think is interesting. Good for her. Yeah. Um, so after that, she does another TV movie called Memories of Murder. Uh, about a woman a woman suffering from amnesia who suddenly gets her memory back. However, she finds that she's now married to a man who she doesn't think she really loves. She keeps having visions of a young woman who she believes is out to kill her, uh, which just sounds kind sounds of interesting. interesting. Okay, all right. Uh, in 1993, she then does RoboCop 3, directed by Fred Decker, uh, with Robert John Burke as uh, RoboCop. As the robot cop. I don't yes. think I realized that Auntie Allen returned for the third movie. She did. She only agreed to reprise her role as Anne Lewis if her character was killed off in the first half of the film. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. I feel like this happens a lot with actors that get asked to return to franchises that they're like, I really, I'm yeah. pretty sick of this. I'll take the paycheck, but fucking kill my character Please so that you never me. have to <laughs> ask me this again. Yep. Yeah. I don't even want you to offer me the money next time. That makes me have to sigh and say yeah. yes. It is interesting that there's like a pretty interesting director behind all three of the RoboCops. Because you and I like Fred Decker. We do. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, he's made some really great movies and is a really good writer, I think, as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess I would like to see this movie because Fred Decker made it. Yeah. It'd be interesting to like finish off the RoboCop. I assume this is the last of them. I don't know if there's a fourth one. You might be right. I think there was maybe a TV series actually. There was a remake too, right? Yes. Yeah. Never saw it. Never saw it. Heard it was bad. Yeah. Um, then she does the movie Acting on Impulse, uh, after which uh, she married her co-star Craig Shoemaker oh. uh, the same year apparently that's cool um, although they also divorced after a couple of years oh, okay um, then in 1997 she does Dusting Cliff 7 
Uh, what a title. I actually, this one I tried to find and was hard to find mostly because this yeah. is such a weird title. You, it's like not even that Google. Well, because I was like, is this like the seventh movie of right. this? But no, it's just a really weird name. But uh, she stars in it with Lance Henriksen. Who we love. Yes. Uh, the young daughter of a tough female ex-agent is held ransom f- uh, for the giving over of a top secret information, uh, which outlines the layout of a buried nuclear arms. Uh, yeah. Seems weird. Yeah, what, what that's under a government restricted cliff seven in the desert. So there cliff you go. Seven. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that is seven. weird. Very weird. I can't tell. Well, like, what character is she in that movie? Like, do I want to see that movie, or is she yeah. just she's Anna Bishop? It's like, do I want to see that movie, or is she like a side character in that movie? You know what I mean? I think I she's one she, of the top yeah, characters. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I think she she for most of the roles that she does, it seems like she has like a pretty decent. I think cool. she might be the tough female ex-agent. Yeah, which, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, that makes me maybe want to see that movie. Um, And then after that, she does a movie called Against the Law with Richard Greco, directed by Jim Wynorski, uh, who's hey. a chopping mall, which I love. I love Jim Wynorski. He's uh, one of my dudes. Yeah. Then in 1998, she does a movie called The Pass with William Forsyth and Michael McKean. Uh, and then she's in the movie Out of Sight, which I have seen, but it has been a really long time. I love um, this movie so much. Pretty sure she just has a bit role in this. Uh, she, yeah, she plays, um, what's that actor's name now? She plays like the basically like the wife of the guy who owns the mansion that mm, they rob at the end of the movie. Gotcha. So she's like, she's kind of like tied to a chair and has, she does have some funny stuff. Like, yeah. When when they're trying to rob the safe, like these guys are fucking morons. They try mm-hmm. to shoot the safe open with their guns. Jeez. And she finally, after watching them like do that and bullets like ricocheting around, she's finally just like the, the fucking combination is. Well, <laughs> she just like gives them the combination. That's really. She funny. is funny. She's like she is good in this like little yeah. role that she has. You oh, know? that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then she is in Secret of the Andes with John Rise Davies. All right. And then in 1999, she is in Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return. Oh, no, Isaac is back. <laughs> With Stacey Keach. Stacey Keach was in this movie? Yes. Um, what is this? Oh, as a teenage girl comes to Gatlin to find her biological mother, the town's infamous cult plots a comeback as their leader, Isaac, awakens from a coma. I have seen precisely one of these movies, and yes. it was like 20 years ago. Oh at this my point. God. There are like so many of these movies. Uh-huh. There's like nine of them. I think that's right. Something it's like insane. that. Yeah. Wild. Uh, I did not realize that until I was looking up this movie, and then I was like, Jesus Christ, how many of these uh-huh. are there? Um, and then she is in Kiss Toledo Goodbye with Robert Forster, Christopher Walken, and Christine Taylor. Yeah, it's a good cast. Yeah, pretty good cast. I would watch a crime thriller. I'm in. Um, and then we get to her roles in the 2000s. Uh, so she did an episode of Law & Order SVU. All right. Uh, in 2001, she's in a movie called Circuit about a um, small town gay cop who moves to L.A. hoping to fit into a place more welcoming of his sexuality. Uh, he soon re- discovers the circuit where he meets an insecure hustler who draws John into drug abuse and illicit sex. It sounds like, a, you know, probably like an independent movie that, uh, yes. you know, maybe. Maybe would be interesting. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 2008, she's in a movie called My Apocalypse, which uh-huh. has a very interesting uh, premise. 
In an apocalyptic future, a serial killer holds his family and another family hostage in an attempt to change his life. Well, okay, yes. interesting. Yes. It, uh, from the poster does not look very good, no, but it doesn't. sounds weird. Yeah. And that's the last movie she is in. Yeah, interesting. Um, so Alan stepped back from acting in 2008 um, and became involved in uh, breast cancer support um, after her friend Wendy Jo Sperber died of breast cancer. In 2010, she was named executive director of the WeSpark Cancer Support Center in Los Angeles, uh, which was founded by her friend. Um, So she has been doing a lot of work that way. Um, She's also an environmentalist uh, on top of being an activist against breast cancer. Um, So she seems to stay pretty busy that way. that's um uh breast cancer runs in my family yeah and, uh, we lost my mom's sister when i was younger to it yeah. uh, so that's that's uh that's cool that means something to me that that's something she you know yeah. has dedicated her life to uh since retiring yeah and it sounds like she comes back for like interviews and things with folks but like has just like retired from acting to pursue this which i think is pretty cool yeah um i did find this which i think is kind of interesting she apparently hosted a horror film documentary terror in the aisles along with donald pleasance oh okay it's from 1984 that's I would interesting like to try to find that if possible well, maybe that's where she got her Scream Queen title. Oh, maybe. Which uh, what movie were we referencing before that she was her? She's got her big scream in. I assume blowout. Uh, blowout. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I. I, I assume. Figured right? it that would makes come sense. From. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because her scream gets recorded at that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. like I was like that's the only thing I can really think yeah, of. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, and then for sources, um, I found some interviews from moneyintolight.com, uh, wallstreetjournal.com, and keepitrealacting.com. Very good. Yeah. Well, this was a real pleasure to do because I Nancy yeah. Allen is not an actor I really thought much about until we decided to do an episode on her and then realized she was in like many of my favorite yeah. movies. And that she is one of the reasons I like many of those movies. Yep, very true. Yeah, she's super good in them. Um, So this is fun to do. Yeah. Um, Anything else we need to uh, do other than plug and wrap up? No. All right, let's do it. Um, You know, you can find us everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Send us an email at killerbeespodcast at gmail.com. Tell tell us how you're doing, Mm -hmm. what you're thinking, who you want us to cover. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, look me up at Philadelphia on uh, Letterboxd. I love to do my letterbox. Yeah. I you can find me as Tori Potenza on the social medias, running our killer bees social media, sometimes using the Twitter as my personal account because I don't have a Twitter. Um, I'll be covering the Final Girls Film Festival for Movie John. So you can check out um, some of my coming reviews for that. Um, it starts at the beginning of February. Um, although most of it's in person, there are some um, uh, virtual screeners that people can attend so definitely check it out because it's a really cool festival uh and then i was also on a wild pretty things podcast recently uh friends of the show um have done a couple of their episodes but i was really excited because they called me back to do uh their end of the year episode so me and a bunch of other cool film folks talk about our favorite films of 2021 yeah super cool yeah very excited about that yes uh so yeah the until next time Buzz, buzz. Buzz.